Great. I think we will call this May 2022 meeting of the Housing Community Development Commission meeting to order. So our uh, first item, item number two, we have uh, two new members of the commission, Elizabeth and Carol. So uh, I, I thought I'd just give the two of you a, a moment to introduce yourselves and what brings you to the commission. We'll start with Elizabeth. Oh yeah, hi, I'm Elizabeth Merlicat. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I'm a mobile crisis responder at Community, hello. <laughs> um, and uh, I think what brings me here is how often I see um, kind of the intersection between housing and mental health crises. Um, and I do a lot of direct service, so it's just pulling me to think about systems change in addition to kind of supporting people when it becomes an emergency. Um, and, uh, and Carol? thanks for having me. <laughs> Hi, I'm Carol. Does this work? Uh, it should. It can be a little tricky, though. I've, I've never quite figured it out myself. About you this can move distance, it closer to you I if think. you want. Oh, yeah, it's working. Um, my name is Carol Croats, and I am here on the commission because my interest also is in low-income housing. And um, I... From personal experience, I have seen this, this section of, of the population of citizens that don't meet the ability to pay fair market rent and fall way below, way, way, way below poverty lines. And sometimes it feels like we aren't welcome in Iowa City, that there isn't a solution. So I'm hoping at some point in my tenure, we can kind of discuss ways that um, the city might be able to help people with housing needs, because there are a lot of people that this affects. Thank you, and welcome to the commission. Thank you. Uh, on this agenda item, there was one other thing I, I wanted to briefly address. There was a, an item in the packet um, called, I believe it's the Aorta Meeting Facilitation Guide, and I think the two of you should have received it as a part of your um, uh, training. If I, if I remember the history here, we, we adopted this last year when Maria was the chair and I was the vice chair, I think. But the, uh, the idea, and, and um, all of us should go back and uh, take another look at it at some point, but the, the idea was to try to do what we can to bring out all the different uh, voices of the members of the commission. Uh, I sometimes think about what, what, what is the strength of HCDC? What does it add to the city government that... Uh, other uh, types of or, or other facets of it do not and we have a unique reach into um, lots of different communities in Iowa City and we heard a little bit about that from Elizabeth and, and Carol and it's also true of the, the rest of us and if we create a space at the meeting where we can each bring our perspectives to it we'll get a lot more out of it so that's uh, those guidelines are some things to help us do that um, that's all on that I had on that item. Uh, is it open for discussion? Because sure. I'd, I'd actually like to know the one thing that I would like to see addressed is how can we as commissioner get agenda items on the agenda? Because I think right now the chair and the vice chair are setting the agenda. But um, I know earlier in the year the bylaws were in our packet and I asked about them. And I'd like to review them. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'd like that to be a future agenda item, but I'd like to know, and I think everybody would like to know, how do we get agenda items um, on, on future agendas? 
Yeah, so I, I think the typical process is to um, say like a, a member of the commission who is not the chair would then start with the chair, right? Go to the chair, um, ask to put the item on the agenda, and then the chair would talk about it with Brianna. Yeah, we meet quarterly with the chair and vice chair. So commissioners can bring items to the chair or vice chair and they can bring it to us and we can put it on the agenda. Okay, mm -hmm. does it have to be outside the meeting or can it be inside this meeting where people can ask for future items to be addressed? I don't know that I have a, do you have an opinion? I know that I we can't discuss. I'm clear on that. Um, you could bring it up during the the updates at the end or discuss it outside of the meeting. Okay, cool. That'd be great. Thank you. Item 10, staff updates. Yeah, okay. That seems like the natural place for it if we were going to put it on there. So yeah, that sounds good to me. Uh, did anyone else have anything on this item? Right, number three, consideration of meeting minutes. Did we have anything uh, to note about the meeting minutes or do, do we want to go straight to a um, motion for approval? Um, I'll move the approve, get they're approved. Second. All right, so we have a motion and a second. All in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right, number four, public comment of items not on the agenda. Uh, do we have any members of the public who would like to address us on an item that is not on the agenda? Uh, on, so if, we, if we don't have any uh, public comments on this item, and this seemed like the natural place to, um, to address this, we had a discussion at our last meeting about how to handle public comments for items that are on the agenda. And uh, after a discussion, we set out some criteria for what that would look like. Uh, but this would be the first time we're putting that into practice. So I wanted to very briefly tell you what I had, how I had planned to address that. So let's see, I was looking at numbers, um, Agenda num uh, item numbers five, seven, and eight as being the ones where I would issue a request for public comment or a call for public comment. Those all seem like things that um, they might be something that, that someone would want to address. The other items on our agenda, I think, are either routine business items or um, internal commission discussions. So for example, we wouldn't want to have public comment on welcoming new members. That's, that's just um, a routine item or the um, staff updates or adjournment, for example. Those, those are things we wouldn't have public comments on. Uh, but five, seven, and eight seem like um, things that might be of, of interest where we would want to hear comments. Um, my guess is that you'll probably want to keep refining this as you, as you go. You'll probably learn as you go, but that's, that's a start anyway. All right, so item five, unsuccessful and delayed project updates. I believe we have um, two updates. You had items um, in, the, in your packet on this, uh, but one from neighborhood centers of Johnson County and 
one from Shelter House. So I think what we have here are just presentations, right? Yeah, we invited both agencies to attend to give an update on the project, so in whatever order you'd like. Sure. Good. So let's start with Neighborhood Center at Johnson County. I'm Brian Loring, uh, Neighborhood Centers of Johnson County. I'm the Executive Director. And uh, just to give you a quick update, we, uh, I think we've got, we, we conducted our uh, uh, a, uh, original or the first uh, project meeting with, with contractor back on May 4th, I think. And so that is for uh, putting a new roof on our Broadway Center. And so that's that. I think the trajectory for completion of that's probably the end of the month, maybe the first week of June. So we've got everything's lined up for that. We have a uh, bids are open for the uh, repavement of our uh, parking lot at our Pheasant Ridge Center, and that closes on May 27th. So um, we expect probably to get at least a bid from that. Um, things have been a little bit challenging in terms of finding contractors, but I think we'll probably get a bid. Um, and so hopefully that would be completed uh, this summer. So I don't really have much more than that. Yeah, do any questions? commissioners have uh, questions? I guess my question would be, um, is there any concern um, from staff, I think staff, I read in the packet that staff were, were satisfied with the, um, with the agency's uh, response, but in terms of um, HUD, because I also noted a memo in the back of the packet from HUD to Jeff Fruin, so um, I'm a little confused about how long and I've been there myself. <laughs> How long, when when a project is delayed, where the concern comes in um, for the money having to be repaid? So for these projects, we haven't spent any money yet, so they they wouldn't have to be repaid. Um, the timeliness letter um, that we'll talk a little bit more about later um, is a checkpoint that HUD gives us, and it's really um, for all of our CDB projects at once so if several projects are behind we're not going to meet our HUD checkpoint because we haven't spent enough money um, for these pr both projects tonight um, I know they're moving forward and we're not concerned about um, them being able to complete it within the next couple months I believe um, so we're not, we're not recommending recapture of these projects tonight um, but we did include that letter just to, so the commissioners could get an idea that when all the projects are behind and you know, for different reasons, not not at the, always at the fault of the agencies, um, that can get us in trouble with our, our HUD timeliness. And what what's the total dollar amount for the two projects? Uh, the Shelter House project was two hundred twenty-five thousand, and that both neighborhood centers totaled, I think, thirty-seven thousand, a little bit more than that. Okay. And that's just the CDBG portion. I've read all of this, but yeah, sometimes I can't remember. Okay. Else? Yeah, do we have any other questions? Thank you. 
I have a, a business question of, of Brianna, which is that I know that if um, if the commission decides to or, or uh, recommends recapture, then of course we would have to take a vote. But if we don't recommend recapture, do we? Is there no vote required for this item? Right. We're not taking any action. We'll just proceed with the projects as we normally would. Okay. And the reason, I, I guess I would also mention the reason that I think we're believe, bringing these forward tonight is because they haven't spent 50% of their their um, project allocation by a certain time. So that that's what triggers their presentation tonight. The checkpoint was in March. So normally we would bring this to you in April, but since we didn't meet, it's a little bit later this year. Sure. All right, we'll go to Shelter House. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Chrissy Canganelli from Shelter House, and with me tonight is Trevor Conrad, who's principal with MODIS. Um, he's joining me today as he is the expert on the HVAC project and our lead, and uh, we'll be able to do a much better job in talking about our status and our timeline and, and some of the challenges that we've faced. So this, again, is for the HVAC replacement project, and I'll turn it right over to Trevor. <laughs> All right. Yeah, as Chrissy said, my name is Trevor Conrad with Modus Engineers, Mechanical Engineer. Um, we're doing the HVAC remodel for the existing shelter house. Um, as you know, the constructor may or may not know the construction industry has been difficult the past year and a half, um, staffing challenges and everything, uh, but we're committed to getting this done. Uh, so my goal is by the end of the month, we have documents ready to go bid in June and they can start that project. Um, the project is a challenge because of some of the compromises and design decisions they made with the initial building 10 years ago. So, and a lot of the pro uh, issues we're running into is just phasing, how you keep this building functional and uh, occupiable for the uh, tenants while this construction is gonna happen. So those are just the problems and issues that we were running into. So I think we got a good handle, got that resolved. We just have to get it out there now. So, um, but like I said, shooting for the end of the month, have documents prepared, ready to go, and then they can bid the project in June. Um, we've already had to do part of it. Uh, the water heaters in the building completely failed here a few weeks ago. So an emergency, we had to get that done. And I believe Chrissy used some of yeah. so we we phased that part project out separately um, and have used private dollars from the Housing Trust Fund of Johnson County to pay for that component. Like we didn't have any hot water, so. <laughs> and no way to get it back. Mm -hmm. So you said the end of the month is when you're uh, projecting bidding it out. Did I hear you right? Getting the documents out for bid. End of the month, maybe into that first, I guess, 31st through the, I guess, what's the first full week, not the first full mm -hmm. week, that first partial week of June, so in that time frame. So it'll be a couple weeks at this point. And then once you get the bids back, how long does it, how long of a project is it? I'm sorry if you said it, I'm having a little bit of trouble hearing. No, week. I didn't say. Okay. Um, it really depends on availability of things right now. Everything is yes. unavailable. <laughs> school work is about to get started, and the schools with different uh, ESSER funds and other things, federal dollars, have sucked up a lot of material and equipment that's out there. So I would like it to be done towards the end of the year, but 
Hmm. We just have to see. And we're in constant communication with different vendors and contractors to see what's going on, because we have to be. Um, but it's everything is a challenge right now, trying to get materials. So when you say end of the year, we're talking about the calendar year, December. Correct. Okay. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, it'll be the equipment we've got. We're going to specify most of it is readily available, but there's like a component that it's hard to get right now, but we need it. So that's going to be the challenge. And those can have extremely long lead times. We're talking 32 weeks. Uh -huh. so, but normally it had been prior to all the things that have happened, it would have been eight to 12 weeks. So. Sure. Okay. Thanks. Mm -hmm. uh, do we have any other questions? Yeah, I can see uh, a lot of construction now going on on the shelter house. Is this project for the new building or for the or the old building? It's for the existing building right beside the new building. It's just getting completed. So how is the how is the construction now is the building? I know it's not related, but I'm concerned about that project. On the on the new building? Yes. Um, so we're uh, looking at potentially having occupancy around June 10th, and we'll start moving people in right away after that. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So as a point of curiosity, are you planning to have to reduce the bed spaces? Can you speak into the microphone? I, I can't hear. Oh, uh, I was just curious whether they were planning to have to reduce the bed spaces for any length of time to? Uh, there, uh, the overall building's not gonna change, so, but there will be phasing, so mm -hmm. components will have to be taken out, so there may not be heating and cooling for that particular area for a matter of hopefully days, mm -hmm. maybe hours, yeah. but it's just, it's all in how stuff can be replaced. Sure. So overall, nothing will change, but there will be temporary inconveniences here and there as they have to shut and off things and replace them, so. Bless you. Um, I'd imagine, depending on the timing, uh, you know, if we can hit a sweet spot, we won't need he heating and cooling for certain periods of time if we're like early fall, late fall. Um, but otherwise, we do have the ability to go back into the winter shelter space, work with the county to be able to utilize that space to provide any additional beds if we do have to shut down any areas. We should be available to avoid a lot of the heat of the summer at this point. We can get through a lot of that and in, into that early, late summer, early fall when it's starting to cool down again. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. I personally am not concerned that either of these projects are not going to be able to get the projects done and expend the monies that, that we've promised them. So yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable with it. Well, th th thank you. Um, personally, I, I have no interest at all in recapture. Uh, did, did anyone else have any comments or discussion or, uh, Man, it might be good just to explain to the, the, the newest members that what is involved, because we did have a recapture last year, right? Wasn't that the church and the kitchen project? Um, I mean, you guys might be better suited to just explain kind of what that whole recapture process it, it, is. It might be worth saying exactly how many deadlines were involved <coughs> here and sort of how far along we, we got before we went to recapture, maybe? That, that might be the... Yeah, we've talked about it a little bit during training, but I would say that's usually like a last resort. I think with that specific project that was recaptured, there were several other checkpoints giving opportunities to 
Kyle's motioning for checkpoints <laughs> to give opportunities to try to get things back on track. So it's really kind of a last resort situation to recapture the funds because then kind of to what Erica was saying earlier, the funds have to be put in another funding round and reallocated and all of that takes time, which gets difficult with our spending guideline. So um, I would say that's an unusual circumstance, at least in my experience, to recapture funds. But I will say a lot of the construction problems that have been referenced are definitely a huge issue for our other projects and rehab. Just getting bids has been really um, hard due to COVID and everything else going on. So. I mean, obviously, we can we can all vote however we want, but but usually we we'll, we want to not recapture if we can at right. all avoid it. And they're not large projects that makes it um, uh, even harder um, to get stuff in, and and then supply uh, delays are tough too. So I don't have any concern about them. I, I do want to slap myself on the hand here and and um, be be. Uh, um, true to what I said in the last agenda item, I, I don't think we'll have any public comment on this this agenda item, but I would like to call for it anyway. So do we have any public comment on this item? All right, hearing none, uh, we have the option to have a motion to recapture or to move on to the next agenda item. All right, number six. Project monitoring updates. Uh, here I believe we have three presentations. <coughs> Let's see, we will start with um, uh, all, all connected to the aid agencies program, I should say. We'll start with Shelter House. Hello again. Um, uh, Shelter House uh, received uh, $78,808 for FY22 um, through aid to agencies, 15,000 of which uh, was resourced through CDBG funds. Um, we dedicate these funds for emergency shelter, um, which has a budget of a little over a million dollars. Um, for the first three quarters of FY22, uh, we have sheltered 593 unique, so undu unduplicated individuals. Um, I did not cal calculate the two date uh, shelter nights, but in a typical year, we'll have about 25,000 shelter nights provided. 14% um, of the individuals served were children, 10% veterans. Um, we had 51% self-reporting at least one or more disabling conditions. Um, all operations are ongoing with emergency shelter. We're back at full capacity and have been for quite some time. Um, don't think there's really anything additionally to ask, uh, to, to respond to or to provide other than, you know, some recent very significant challenges for us. As we mentioned, we lost all hot water capacity for a number of weeks. Um, which you know uh, doesn't make me feel any better, but uh, you know there was no exaggeration in that CDBG application that we submitted for the HVAC system. It really is um, fatally, uh, you know, terminating. Um, and uh, 
staffing continues to be a real challenge. So uh, specifically second and third shifts, uh, finding people who um, are interested in doing the work, are willing to show up and, and follow through with doing the work. We've increased pay rates, benefits. Um, we feel we're very competitive for those positions. Um, things are starting to get a little better, but uh, been pretty heavy, especially as we're opening up a, another facility, and that has to be staffed 24-7 as well. So, But everything's in motion. Any questions that I can respond to? Well, it, it's a, I think it's a double-edged sword for agencies. Uh, on one hand, I, I love seeing the pay rates go up and the better benefits and you know, it's my battle cry for years in nonprofits. But on the other hand, a lot of contracts, you know, don't raise those rates. And so right. um, uh, I don't know, you can, you can tell me in, in whatever way is easiest for you, whether it's, you know, what your base rate has increased over, you know, from pre-COVID to, to now. Yeah, pre-COVID was $11 an hour for the frontline uh, uh -huh. evening overnight shift and now we're at 15. Okay well congratulations on getting to 15. Um, that's um, that's admirable but that is a concern that I do have um, for many of the agencies uh, having to you know increasing the their pay and their benefits to become more competitive and um, you know where that money's going to come from and I and I do think that you know, this commission um, needs to be um, verbal and proactive with the council um, in terms of the uh, the pot of money, the the golden pot of money that we hand out to to agencies, whether it's emerging agencies or the legacy agencies. So that's a huge concern that I have. Yeah, in the short term, we've been able to resource that through additional COVID-related federal funds, mm -hmm. um, but long term, you know. That's additional fundraising. So yeah. book sales, cakewalks. It, yeah. It's uh, a curiosity to me that we are providing an essential service, a public service. Um, there's widespread understanding that we prevent people, even through emergency shelter, from being in jail, from being emergency rooms, yes. from facing death. Um, but we are supported as a charity as opposed to other public services and facilities that are funded almost entirely, and this would include, frankly, GuideLink Center, through public funds. Yes. It, it yep. doesn't add up. So. I, I, I agree with you, and uh, you know, I, think, I think there should be a discussion about um, separating those activities out, and I'm concerned about how we're gonna get to that, that, you know, that when we get to legacy agency funding again next year, um, we're still going to be struggling with the same issues that we've had before um, in terms of the pot of money and now we have new legacy agencies um, which will be vying for money so I just have a lot of concerns that we we haven't really even decided how we can address some of these issues and uh, you know I want to get to that so I didn't mean to take time away from you but I think it's it's pertinent to what you know shelter house you know some of the increases and the things that you've struggled with is is one of the many agencies that have been going through that yeah can I ask a related question I don't know if this is for you or for the commission but are are these aid to agencies funds restricted to things like facilities or can those funds go straight to staffing costs 
Um, they're operational funds, so okay. agencies, they're flexible. Agencies can use them how they see fit. So, and, and these funds are entirely different from a separate competition through which we were awarded those funds for that HVAC for repair. For the HVAC, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Any, any other questions? Yeah, I would like to thank you for serving our community. What I hear is are incredible numbers on that you say them, and thank you so much. I think the face of the city will be very ugly without the shelter house services. So what is the most challenges that facing you right now? The, the most challenges? Yes. Um, continuing to, to grow our work and ensure that we have trained competently, competent and fairly compensated staff. They're passionate, but being able to retain those employees um, and ensure that we are maintaining a safe work environment for and living environment for our clients, for our tenants, and then work environment for our staff. Um, that, that weighs pretty heavily on us. Uh, we've got really good programming. We're recognized statewide as a leader. Um, the work that we're doing, we're showing the impact um, in all of the areas that HUD requires us to, that our funders do, and that I feel that you know benefits our community. Um, it's just the sustainability of the work and being able to grow it. Does that does that answer your question, Ezra? Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. And and high complex need people just really increasing numbers within the population that we're serving of people who have. Uh, systemic health issues, not just one disabling uh, condition, but multiple substance abusing, poly or using poly substance using individuals in combination with serious mental illness and the, the challenges of working with those individuals in congregate environments and then when we get them into housing. But the housing's working, so it's super exciting to see. Is staffing the, this is maybe a longer conversation, but is staffing the biggest obstacle to running the low barriers year round? Um, right now? It, it, it's, so all shelter is low barrier. Our entire organization is low barrier. And I think we haven't done a great job of being able to, of really communicating that proactively. So there's really little to no difference between what is understood as the winter shelter and the 429, 20, 24-7, 365 shelter, um, it's just additional capacity and tends to really focus more on folks that just don't want to come into the other shelter and they don't want to be around families. So you see single adults in that winter shelter. That wasn't always the case. It used to be that there was a differential between. Um, I think that low barrier has definitely increased the challenge for us and our need to make sure that we're preparing and supporting our staff in ways that they know how to work and engage with the individuals safely and supporting. Um, so, so that's been learning for us. But e even more so, what we're really finding out is that as we've made these changes internally and we have committed to housing first and low barrier, other systems and other entities with which we intersect and with, with which our clients and tenor, tenants need to work, they haven't made those, sister, those changes and they haven't come closer to us. So they have barriers, they have limitations, they have ways of thinking and being that have stuck these individuals into boxes which prevent them from really being able to meet us and our folks where we are. 
that that's the the next real big work I think that we have ahead. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Chrissy. Uh, we'll go next to domestic violence intervention program. Hey, thank you for having me. My name is Ashley Hopkins. I'm the development coordinator for DVIP. Um, these funds um, go towards our shelter services and hotline. Um, we just a little bit, if you guys aren't familiar, um, we provide emergency shelter 24-7-365, and in our shelter we house our hotline. Um, and uh, uh, we provide housing assistance, safety planning, help with protective orders, and counseling for victims of abuse, human trafficking, and harassment. Um, we do serve eight counties. Our shelter is here in Iowa City. Um, and the majority of the people that we help are in Iowa City. Um, we also do educational pieces within the community on relationships and how to help a friend. Uh, most of the people um, that seek our services hear about it through word of mouth, and many call our hotline first, so it's always important to us to get that number out there. Um, and as I said, that um, person is in our shelter. It's a full-time position. In the last six months, we've had 601 hotline calls taken. Um, and the hotline calls are a myriad of questions um, from victim survivors, friends, families, coworkers, um, about how they can get help. Um, and uh, in our shelter itself, uh, we've served 85 people, um, 49 women, one male, and 35 children in the last six months. Um, and that's resulted in um, over 5,000 nights of safety, um, with the average stay being 40 days in the shelter. Average stay, I'm sorry, is what? 40 days. Okay. Um, yeah, so the, the funds have always gone towards our shelter services. You mentioned that you service eight counties, is that correct? Yes. But the majority of your clients are from Iowa City? Yes. Do you happen to have a rough estimate on what percentage of your clients are from Iowa City? Um, it is um, just about half from Iowa City. So in fiscal year 21, um, we served over 2,000 victim survivors in eight counties, and it was uh, 1,100 in Iowa City, um, 1,500 in Johnson County. Do you service Des Moines County? Uh, yes, we do. Uh, so we serve Iowa, Washington, Cedar, Henry, Des Moines, Van Buren, and Lee counties. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Uh, did we have any other questions? Yeah, are you able to share of all the clients that seek your help? Uh, yes, so we do, um, so as far as sheltering, um, we do have to come up with different ways of supporting clients with emergency shelter because our shelter is full 365 days a year. So for us, that looks like finding hotel stays that are temporary um, and then uh, potentially working them into our shelter um, or looking at permanent housing solutions or options. Um, since we serve eight counties, it can mean also a bus ticket to family somewhere else. Um, it's just um, connecting with resources in our communities and 
um, a lot of safety planning, but yeah, emergency shelter is our number one request. Um, well, I'm gonna ask a similar question that you asked of Shelter House, and um, what are some concerns that you have um, coming forward? Sure. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, this fiscal year, uh, we are facing a 15 to 22% federal um, cut through our VOCA funding. Um, next fiscal year, will there's been a VOCA fix enacted um, that will, that will, uh, the funds will be um, reallocated into the VOCA fund by next fiscal year, so we'll be back at where we were. Um, but that is going to be a challenge for the, us this year. So it means we've already been trying to diversify our funding for the last several years, many, many years, um, to have more individual donors um, and to get away from the state and federal funding. But we still are at um, about a 60-40 split on that. So that is a huge challenge for us. How about staffing? Um, yeah, we're having similar issues that Shelter House is having. I can't speak necessarily to um, the pay rate as I'm just the development coordinator. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're having some turnover issues and um, I think a lot of it is definitely burnout from COVID um, and um, just the extra stress that our advocates went through also the tremendous effects of COVID on those that we serve. Um, we saw a 25% increase in our hotline calls in the last couple of years um, because of COVID and an increase um, in those that we serve. Just here in, um, I don't have Iowa City specific, but Johnson County, it was a 300 person increase um, in those seeking our services. In, in, in what services? Uh, any direct, just direct services, people, reaching out for help um how many hot hotline calls did you say you got in the last six months uh 601 okay yeah do you have a core of volunteers who can assist when you are a little short on staff um yeah so we do utilize volunteers um we are talking about potentially having again some more direct service volunteer options <laughs> Um, during COVID, we were limiting so the interaction in our shelter and with our clients um, to very minimal interaction with outside public. Um, so volunteers were helping us sort donations and things like that. Um, but our board of directors were just meeting about that last at the last meeting a week ago. Potentially, um, it does take quite a bit of training um, to, to do direct service um, and so, trying to figure out ways to ask for a commitment of two, year, two years um, for a volunteer to do that. But it is something being talked about, certainly, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And next we have neighborhood centers of Johnson County. I think Brian got away from us a little too quick, oh, but sorry. I um did their monitoring visit. I can't speak to the project in specific detail like they'd be able to, but when I did their monitoring recently, I know their funding is on track to be spent and they're on track as well to meet their accomplishment target by the end of the fiscal year, so. Well, then next we have number seven. So we're looking at the uh, annual action plan for, for number seven. I believe here we have a, um, staff presentation, a discussion, and uh, a vote. 
Yes, let me pull it up here. Um, so I'll try to keep this short. Our action plan is basically a piece of our consolidated plan. This is what says what we're gonna do for the next fiscal year. Our fiscal year starts July 1 and runs through June. Uh, this is the document that contains the recommendations that HCDC just made recently. Uh, it's a long document. I always give the preface that the format of this report is something that's required by HUD in the federal database, so we don't have a lot of flexibility in editing it or trying to make it more user-friendly. We've tried to make changes where we can and include extra tables that maybe make the information a little bit more clear, but we are a little bit stuck with that system, so um, we try to do our best with it. The most interesting part of this for you is probably the Appendix B. Um, that's where your funding recommendations were at. I sent out a second draft of this recently, so thanks for your patience on that. HUD was a little bit late this year sending out our grant allocation, so we were, were able to put the final numbers together. Um, the public comment for this plan starts tomorrow and it will run through June 21st. So the next step after the public comment period will be the plan going to council for approval. Uh, we'll enter it into the federal database and then we'll submit it to HUD for approval and we'll wait for our grant agreements after that assuming the plan is approved. So I can entertain any questions that you have or comments. I mean, some of the things in the action plan are, of course, very promissory, which is just uh, probably the way things have to be, because they're going to be decided later. But I, I uh, um, did want to ask about, uh, there was a section where the city owns certain properties that may be used for affordable housing. I think one was on Muscatine. The other that I know about was 724 Ronalds. Um, uh, does that does the uh, what the action plan says that just means that the decision hasn't been made yet? I'm not as familiar with our local. Yeah, so there's, it's a it's a HUD question that they ask if there's any city property that's available for affordable housing, and we just list essentially what we own that could be developed, and those are two of the properties that the city's actually had for a little while. I know the Ronalds property. Well, the Muscatine one I think is be as an. More suited for economic development, more more of a, like a commercial property. Mm -hmm. um, the Ronalds one has a dilapidated structure on it that's going to be demolished. Um, it, it was demolished last week. Was it? Yeah. Okay, so that happened. Um, I walk by it every day. That's part of why I asked. Um, I don't actually know the plans um, for that, if they're in place or not. Um, we may be partnering with another agency for housing. Um, I, I actually, I'm not certain about that. Was there a final draft or a final presentation of the steering committee's affordable housing plan? The 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 committee that got all put together and so, was was there like a final report of these are the steps we should take that they decided upon or? So the status of that is that there's a draft of the report and it has gone to council, but council hasn't discussed it yet. So I think a future work session will feature that topic, and the council will. Um, discuss it and maybe um, adopt the plan or make changes to it. Okay. I can send you the draft tomorrow when I send out well, follow-up for the meeting. I just was curious uh, I'd, if, if I'd like gotten, to see, yeah. yeah, I'd like to, I'm sorry. Um, I, I'd like to see that too. And could you let us know when it's going to be on council agenda? So if we want to watch, we can. Sure. Yeah, I don't think you do, but. <laughs> but uh, I'd like to just download the information later, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah, I'm curious because I just, 
I haven't seen that be a visible, very visible public, like here's what they, here's what they're getting. So I, yeah, I'd be curious to see it. Because some of the, th the part that of course, I'm more interested in is like the, the, the section 12, I think AP 75, where they're talking about um, tools to remove barriers to affordable housing, such as uh, building codes, fees, charges, growth limitations, policies affecting the return on residential investment. I'm curious, I'm curious if there's actually any action planned or proposed to address some of those things directly. And, and I just I just don't know if there has been or I know land use has kind of gotten the spotlight, um, but you know I, I know you know we've discussed it a little bit and I've discussed it a lot outside of here, which is sometimes it seems the city acts against its own interests. It, it makes comments about increasing affordable housing and making rental properties more you know more affordable, but then the turnaround of that is you know. Uh, what thirty thousand dollars between properties last year for radon testing and radon mitigation for what ended up being only a one percent of all properties actually had any radon issues um, switching rental permits from every two years to every year for for four units or less so instead of properties having an expense of three hundred dollars every two years now that's three hundred dollars every year i mean all of those things from a residential investment side, gets passed on through higher rents. Um, you know, it's just yeah, and, and I just haven't. It'd be curious to see what that what that committee came up with 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 ideas to somehow counteract what seems to be us shooting ourselves in the foot a lot, which is making these claims that we want more affordable housing, but we haven't seen the security deposit program that's been talked about for years. We haven't seen the um, you know the the um, affordable housing, uh, there was discussion at one time for affordable housing, uh, like maintenance pool of money for, uh, for damages from, uh, like ha for, for HCV tenants or HCV properties. And we just haven't seen that. So I, have you guys seen any action from that side of things or? We do have a security deposit program that's administered by community. Um, the, which helps they do yeah and they, and they help pay double deposits in some cases and right is that what you were talking about well it's the, the problem is it's not always available to everybody i mean i haven't seen an expansion of that um and, and part of the issue is it's not just deposits I, you know I, I think chrissy could talk on this somewhat i mean we've uh we have a lot of times where you know Shelter house can only pay like two months worth of rent, and that's just not enough for people to get back on their feet and get, you know, and and, and get an income started before uh, HCV takes shape. Or you know, there's only so many emergency housing. But you know, um, what's his name, Steve, when he came and spoke, you know, and talked about, you know, there's, <laughs> uh, you know, there's a limited amount of vouchers and how many people sitting out there on. Um, on the waiting list, I'm just curious if there's if there's any intent to start putting some of these money into more direct rent relief programs at the local level, because at some point the Iowa Finance Authority thing is going to disappear. Uh, I mean, they're already making it harder and harder for tenants to get rent relief. I mean, it's it went well, from it went from tenants being able to log in, present their issues, have landlord confirm amounts due, uh, getting landlords getting payments within 
two to three weeks to we've got tenants that are 90, 120 days out that we're trying to work with Iowa Finance Authority now that they just can't get approval from the state. Like it's it's a nightmare of bureaucracy. They've they switched over their online processing, online submittal stuff, and it's 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 a nightmare. I'm just curious if there's been any discussion from the housing plan for more direct direct action stuff, but maybe it's in the you know maybe it's in that draft. I just don't know. That's what I was going to say. I don't know all the ins and outs of the plans yet, but I know it was just finalized in the last month. The draft plan just went to council very recently, so we can keep you apprised of those discussions. I think if there's any um, public <laughs> statement or update from the steering committee, I think that's something we want to hear about too. Mm -hmm. Carol, were you going to say something? So why, I, I, this could be a really dumb question. Why doesn't come, it come to this commission before it goes to council? The plan? Yeah. That's such a great question. Is it a good question? Um, the, the committee had representation from HCDC. Peter from the commission was part of that group. Um, so they didn't take it to, the plan incorporated a lot of different affordable housing issues. It was land use issues. It didn't go to PNC. Um, it was representatives from different commissions were on the committee. Okay. Um, you know, council could bring different issues to HCDC. That's up to them to decide. They have they have not discussed the the draft report yet. Okay. Well, I I think Kyle brought us some some um, good points. Um, I'm sorry. You I think I saw that you maybe had something you wanted to say. No, I'm sorry. No. No. Okay. Uh, I didn't. I didn't want to cut in. Um, um, so this annual um, plan is a, a kind of a one-year document that is of the five, the bigger five-year comprehensive plan. So a lot of it was pretty routine reading for me. But I'm going to go back to something I said before that if we're going to make any real changes in the way in which we fund legacy agencies. And I do, I, I do believe that the city should be contracting for some services and some agencies um, can be treated a little bit differently because of the kinds of services that are provided. Um, we have to have some real time to explore that kind of thing. And I, I just don't see that happening. And that's one of the concerns that I have. Um, I don't want my f three years to be spent here just coming to Thursday meetings and you know hand stamping things. I wanna make some positive changes to the way in which the legacy funding is allocated. I will just make a quick note that the majority of this plan deals with our federal funding, so we just only have a slice of that that we can use for public services, but we will be diving into the legacy agency stuff coming okay. up. Okay, okay, good. Because I will note that somewhere, I can't lay my mind on it right now, but I know in uh, Jeff Fruin's plan, I think, I can't remember, was it 21 points for um restructuring and things that that the there's still money in there for an agency needs assessment um or a community needs assessment is is what it's called that would give us a comprehensive look at the types of services that we do need in our community and and um and i think that I'd like to see HCDC involved with that in some way, whether it's a liaison type of role or something. So, 
that's it. Off my soapbox. <laughs> I do have one question that really is a little off the mark here, but um, is it possible to get these graphs or these spreadsheets um, in bigger font? <laughs> I can't read them. <laughs> Possibly. The hard part is trying to upload it into the system makes everything really tiny, but we do have much more user-friendly, normal-looking. view? Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. Thank Actually, you. the ones, this, the updated ones you sent me, they were bigger. Because okay. um, before I was trying to use my phone magnifier on them, so, and it didn't work. <laughs> I have the same problem. That's why I laughed. I almost brought a magnifying glass, but I didn't want to be the odd person out. The other problem is the city it. website. Sometimes when we update things, it changes the format when it's uploaded online versus me sending you a PDF. Sometimes the PDF is a little bit more user-friendly. Okay. Any other questions or comments? So do we, uh, I mean, we, we need to pass this along as a recommendation, right? Yep. Um, we can entertain a motion to do so if anyone wants to uh, give one. I will make the motion to recommend it to council. And do we have a second? Second. Yeah. All in favor, say aye. 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 <coughs> Any opposed, say aye. All right. Uh, item number eight, review and consider recommendation <coughs> to city council on approval of substantial amendment to city steps 2025, the city's consolidated plan. If I'm reading this correctly, and I was a little, I think I read it correctly. This is just something that we did returning to us. Yeah, this is just a formal, a formality really that starts the official amendment process. So you'll make the recommendation. It will go to council for final approval. You've already made your agency decisions and had those discussions. Right, right. So we, I think especially for our two new members, we had a, um, we had a discussion as to whether and how to add agencies to the legacy agency list. Um, we, we approved the adding of three agencies and this is would the correct way to put it be we are officially sending this along as a, as a substantial amendment? Yep, to our consolidated plan, which is called City Steps. Okay, good. Hopefully that makes it clearer than it was before. You already decided to do this. Yes. And we're just confirming that. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, but we, we should... Um, um, Ask for discussion, if anyone has any discussion of this. Ooh, should we have had public discussion on seven? We didn't, did we? I forgot. <laughs> Bad habit. I don't think we had any public discussion on seven, but if, but if anyone did want to talk on seven, I apologize. My bad. I'll give you a free pass on uh, uh, number eight, if you want to talk about number seven. Uh, but no, I mean that's that's good. I'm trying to develop the habit of asking I just for it. Of it too, so. Yeah, it's like smoking. You have to <laughs> you have to just keep doing it, and eventually you just you know don't think about it. Uh, do we do we have any uh, discussion among commissioners for number eight? Uh, 
Uh, do we have any public discussion on number eight or number seven? <laughs> All right, I would like to make a motion then to, um, how do I wanna put this? Recommend to City Council the approval of the substantial amendment to City Steps 2025, the City's Consolidated Plan, the amendment uh, listed. Uh, would anyone like to second? I'll second that. A second from Elizabeth. All in favor, say aye. 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 Uh, any opposed, say aye. And uh, any abstentions? Count me as an aye. I. I didn't say it, but count me as an aye. That's why I asked for abstentions. I didn't hear you. I'm going to go ahead and say aye. <laughs> if I remember, your, your objection was you wanted to add more than the, the no, three agencies. No, my objection was, was that I, I, the way I read it is that it wasn't the right time to do it. Okay. I still think that, I still think as per the wording that the five-year plan, so this is the five-year plan and these are the ones that get to do it and that we, we sh my, yeah, I mean, I, I, these are all worthy groups, and I, I mean, as, as a group, we all agreed that, yeah, I mean, that they belong in it, and I, so, yeah, I'm just gonna say aye, but yeah. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying <laughs> at all. I, I, and this is part of that larger discussion that I'm gonna keep harping about, that also the calendar and when we do things and putting some formal processes into place is is really what we need for for that as you um uh, because eventually whenever the 2024 budget is being done i think right. is when this will come up but um w when you get to the point where you're ready to ask the the council for more legacy um, agency funding get in touch i'd be happy to help in, in whatever way i can i won't be a commissioner at the time but i might be able to go to council to speak okay Um, number nine, Iowa City Council meeting updates. This is another um, thing that I might say a brief word about for our new commissioners, but uh, about a year ago, we started doing, uh, assigning one commissioner to attend city council meetings or review city council meetings and then give an update to the commission on relevant uh, topics that came up during that during that meeting. So for the the most recent one, I know I was one of the people who volunteered because I uh, appeared about a month ago at a council meeting to accept the um, mayoral proclamation for National Community Development Week. In fact, I brought a show and tell. This is the mayoral proclamation for National Community Development Week, and I thought I'd pass it around to um, give you a chance to look at it. Of course, since Caleb's not here, I'm going to have you get up and... Uh, and that concludes my update. I think Becky was the other person. Yep. Um, so uh, I just saw really two things. In I did the second meeting in April, and um, they finalized the Forest View relocation, which doesn't really have anything to do with HCDC, but I think it's noteworthy to um, um, highlight that in our meeting. And then, of course, the 
long-awaited vacancies in our commission. Um, they um, voted on um, those also. Uh, I'm sorry, I know we didn't have a meeting last month and nobody was assigned for May, but I, I just couldn't, uh, I didn't have time to do it. So I'm kind of in a busy period right now. So, so I didn't watch May's. Oh, you, you've you've done absolutely more than your your share of the. I know. The updates I, I'm not going to volunteer this month for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we have anyone who would like to volunteer? I think you would be volunteering for um, the next meetings in June, isn't it? First and third. Yeah. So the the first and third Tuesday of June. It's too close to my birthday. I'm not volunteering. It, probably. <laughs> All right, Elizabeth. I'm just super busy, so. So the the person covers the whole month to both meetings that month. Uh, that would be fine, or or you can split them. I mean, either either They're way. They're online. You can oh, yeah. live watch, or to yeah. tell you the truth, you can get the same experience uh, um, watching afterwards too. So you can just. Uh, usually it takes a day or two for the meetings to post after the live The city watch. has a YouTube channel where you can, you can watch them anytime. Yeah, there's, there's three different ways you can watch them. I do a lot of that. Um, I watch them when I have time. So. And if anyone doesn't know, we also have a YouTube channel where you can watch our meetings. How many views do you get on these meetings? I don't know. I, I, don't, think, I don't know that I've ever watched them. HCDC has a channel on YouTube. Well, I don't. This is the city's channel, right? But, but yeah, our uh, videos are on there. We usually get like 30 views, but I suspect that half of those are just for the minute. So don't worry, we're not that popular. <laughs> You're on candid camera. Well, actually, it's not candid. The camera is right over there. So I'll check it out. That's why I do my hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Elizabeth is volunteer. I am going to. As we move on to the next agenda item, I'm going to write that down. I frequently forget at the next meeting who did it, so I'm going to try to remember this time. Um, item number 10, staff updates. Um, we weren't planning to have a meeting in June, but we have something coming up that we probably need the commission's feedback on. So we are looking at June 23rd, which would be the fourth Thursday. My plan is tomorrow to send you an attendance survey so we can kind of put a feeler out and see if we have a quorum for June. So I don't know, we can make that an abbreviated meeting if people are busy with summer plans or kind of see how that goes. Are, do we have full membership now? We do. Um, we had two more, well, three more people appointed last night. Uh, Marianne Dennis was reappointed, Zachary Slocum and Jennifer Haylett. So we'll be back up to nine. Okay. And, and uh, that will switch over July 1st. Right, right. I think that the three appointments from the last last time are, are July 1st. So, we, yeah, we should have nine next month and nine in July. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, I guess there was a couple items in the packet. The first one I'll just mention, we tried to make a handout of just a quick guide that might help during meeting discussions. There's so many acronyms in anything with federal funding. So we tried to make a little quick guide for you. If you think of other things that might be helpful for new commissioners, definitely let us know. Um, and then the other item in there was a timeliness letter that Erica was gonna touch on. All right, so we talked about this a little bit um, with one of the other agenda items, but um, for CDBG funds, we can only have one and a half times our current allocation in our HUD account. So when we 
when we do a project, the city funds it, and then we draw from HUD, and they reimburse us. That's kind of how that works. Um, ideally, with CDBG, we get the money for the program year, and we'd spend it all within one year. But as you've seen from our um, delayed projects, that, that doesn't always work out. That's not that easy to do. Um, we have certain kind of procedures in place to spend the money within the year, um, certain projects like our rehab program, if we don't spend our set aside within the year, it gets kind of lumped back into the pool for the next allocation. Um, certain certain categories you can only spend within the year, like the public services the, that are funded by CDBG, they have to be spent within the fiscal year, um, as well as admin, which is like our staff salary um, fund that we can use. Um, but when we get several projects that are delayed, um, for whatever reason, it's, it's pretty common to have delays right now. Um, we get a little behind. So we get this letter this year that we were at, um, on track to meet our timeliness. Um, every year it's on May 2nd, so we have to have less than one and a half times our allocation in the account on May 2nd. So they're, they're tracking that throughout the year. Um, so we got this letter in April. We had to spend down 168000 and. Uh, I'm actually really excited to report that we did that, thanks to Brianna um, hounding people and getting their their invoices in and getting their projects done. Good. Um, in the you very could have just last, called I me. think. <laughs> What's that? You just called me. I mean, yeah, you just right. needed a way to get rid of one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, so we were able to, I think, uh, maybe on one of the very last days, process um, one of our parks projects, and that went through. So we got down below one point five. Um, the consequence for not meeting this, um, right now because of COVID, they would just issue us a warning because we haven't hit it before. Um, after that, we have to do a spending plan with HUD, which is really a lot of administrative work. <coughs> we wanna avoid that if possible. So we're really excited that we didn't um, get the warning this year and be possibly in trouble for next year. And then the you third guys year- love administrative work. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I haven't had to do it and I don't wanna, I don't wanna learn how to do it. So. Um, and then the third year, they can start, if you're not spending your money, they can start reducing your allocations, which we really don't want. Um, so we just wanted to share this, that it's been, it's been with the CDBG CV funds, um, it's been challenging to um, continue to administer the programs and meet, meet all the deadlines, but we just squeaked by this year. Um, Brianna's doing a great job getting the projects moving forward. Um, and the agencies are, are you know, working to get their projects moving forward as well. Um, trying to think of what else. Um, I think I think just another thing I want to say is that the closer we're to that 1.5 each year, the more difficult it is the next year to get below because you're kind of getting more and more behind each year, and I feel like that's kind of on the path we're on. So we're we're going to work hard to get some of our bigger projects through next year. Um, we have that DVIP as a big CDBG project, right? Um, shelter House will get their project done. Neighborhood centers will get their project done. So we'll just keep chipping away at the projects and try to get ahead. I, appre I appreciate you, know, you going through that because I think it helps me understand. I know about the late projects and I know about there's a benchmark <laughs> and that's about the extent of my knowledge. But it helps me because it just, it, it, it again behooves us as a commission to make sure that how we're funding money and and what we're funding and that we're paying attention to history of the recipient and their ability to carry out the project and i i think that's important um uh information for us to have 
Is there a history of um, not meeting um, the one, what did you say? The 1.5? Yeah. Is there a history of that or are do we usually do really well? Um, we have hit it every year since I've been, I've only been with the city for about four years. Um, I think they've, they've had to do a work back plan once a long time ago. Um, it used, they didn't, they didn't issue a warning before. It was just, if you missed it, you had to do the plan. Um, but now there's kind of an extra leg because of COVID and the additional funding. Um, but no, we have a pretty good track record of, of meeting it. So. Okay, we'll uh, move on to item 11. Oh, wait, this is where I can uh, oh, say yeah. that I, I, I wanna get the bylaws on the, a future agenda. Um, what about the bylaws? Well, I don't wanna discuss, that would be discussing them. So, I mean, can't really discuss them, right? I mean, I guess I would need to know specifically what you're looking for just so we could be prepared. A review and an update of them. And, and, and for my information, I'd like to know when the last time Specifically, um, I, when I reviewed them before, I noted that there are certain requirements um, of individuals, experience requirements on the commission, but there's no requirement that anybody have a nonprofit background. And so I suspect the bylaws were probably last approved, maybe before aid agencies became a function of this group. So, and I think that there should be a requirement on HCDC for, for somebody to have a background in nonprofit management administration. For them to be a member? No, uh, have experience, prior experience. So. In order to be a member. I, yes, I, just to, like. To, to be a commissioner, the way that yeah. say like uh, the, the airport commission requires yeah. you to have certain relevant experience. I think you're proposing that relevant experience for HCDC would be nonprofit management. At least one member. I'm not saying all. So there is currently, I think, somebody who has some experience in housing or that might be you. Um, so they're looking for certain. Some commissions have gender requirement. In fact, this one might have a gender requirement. They, they too. all do. So I'm just asking that there be at least one person with with not with with nonprofit um, experience included. That's my suspicion. That's why I'd like to know when's the last time that they were reviewed. I can look into that in the process to amend the bylaws. When we looked at this once before for including Robert's rules, I have a vague memory of, I think we need to discuss it at multiple meetings and I think it has to go to council. Yeah, so I, think it's it's, quite I think it's two votes and then, then something else. Uh, um, one of the, it's been a little while since I've looked at the bylaws. I didn't think any of our, our uh, we had any experience requirements for any of the slots. Yeah, there are. are there, there are experience, I wouldn't, I mean, I don't know if you call them requirements. If they can't fill the spots, then they'll resort to filling it with an applicant who maybe yeah, doesn't yeah. tick those boxes. Isn't there a requirement that one member be utilizing a housing choice voucher or? Ideally, yes, but sometimes if they can't find applicants that meet those criteria, they'll fill it with someone who's willing well, I will just out myself here. Um, I, I am a recipient of the voucher program. So I, I meet that requirement. 
I also meet the requirement for nonprofit administration experience. My entire career was spent in executive management and nonprofits here in the state of Iowa. Good. And so I understand grant processes and all that sort of stuff. So probably when my when my application came in, they were whether well, they were happy to see it. <laughs> I guess I, I, maybe. I listened to the discussion and I, I actually appreciate having your background and experience, both in being a user of services and, and the experience. I'm just, what I'm saying is, it seemed to me when I read them, if I see requirements in like housing or whatever, um, that a good chunk of our time is taken on reviewing grants and you know reviewing a program. How do we manage a program of legacy agencies and such? And, and if you have, I think it's better for you to have somebody in nonprofit management experience, to be perfectly honest. Um, uh, not currently have some sort of experience um, in that. I'm not you know, carving what that experience is out, but I just think it should be important enough to be in the bylaws <coughs> as, as, as far as I'm concerned. So, so I think the item you're looking to add would be a bylaws discussion focused on experience um, a relevant experience for uh, status as a commissioner. Yeah. Well, and you know, again, and this is just um, probably me, but uh, when we were asked to review the housing voucher program to find out that it hadn't been, that whole process hadn't been reviewed in 20 years, I just think it's a good idea for us to, to take a look at those governing documents and say, does this need to change at all? So um, it should be reviewed on a regular basis, whether that's every five years or as the need as a special need comes up. That's that's just me. So I'll just be happy to get it on a future um, agenda item and, and discuss it. That sounds reasonable to me. Uh, did we have any other discussion? Nope. None for me. So uh, do we have a motion for adjournment? So moved. Second. And all in favor? Aye. 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 Aye.